it's kind of a challenge, but it's been good for me. It's been a good growth thing for me. And so God's been bringing to mind uh, for me different accounts, different stories that really have impacted me. And so last week I shared uh, one of my favorite stories from Second Kings chapter 6, Elisha, and him opening him up the eyes of his servant through prayer and seeing the angel armies around the angel, the, the, the armies that were waiting to attack him. And we are still uh, going to be in Second Kings today because that's just another one of my favorite accounts. And um, realizing how much I like Elisha. I love Elijah as well and his stories. And uh, But Elisha has some really amazing things that sometimes we, I think we forget about. And, and so uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, just back up a chapter from what we did last week, 2 Kings chapter 5. And, and this is a story that, you know, if you grew up in Sunday school, you probably heard a lot about because um, it's a you know good lesson in it, but uh, I want to take a few moments and, and look at it. And so, Second Kings chap chapter five, we've got the prophet Elisha. Um, he's the the follow up guy to Elijah, and uh, you know the one that was taken up into the whirlwind and the chariot of fire and all that sort of stuff. And Elisha was this great prophet who God used in some powerful and some mighty ways, and. Uh, there was a Syrian or an Aramean, uh, depending on which translation you use, um, who this is the same country that is attacking them in chapter 6 that, you know, uh, that um, Elisha thwarts with God's wisdom given to him, tells him where they're going to be plotting and all that sort of stuff. So the same army, but back it up a chapter in chapter 5. And Naaman is one of the main generals for the whole army of Syria or Aram. And he is also a leper. And leprosy was a really bad disease. It was kind of a broad term used for all sorts of things. But the general idea with leprosy was that your nerve endings died. A lot of times you would have to go and be outside the village and you have to live in a leper colony and you'd have to yell unclean and all that sort of stuff. I don't know if the Syrians' rules were quite the same for it. But anyway, he had this disease that um, at its worst, your nerve endings would die and you would not realize that you were injuring yourself. And that was what was even so deadly about it, is that you wouldn't even feel things. And you would uh, could be standing in a fire and wouldn't know until you were burning severely because you couldn't feel it. And people would lose limbs because of that. And it was just a horrible, horrible disease. And this high-up general in the Syrian army had leprosy. And so the king of Syria knew that there was a man of God, and so he sent a letter to uh, excuse me, to the king of Israel and said, hey, heal my man. And the king of Israel just freaks out. He is terrified. He's like, who am I? I'm, I'm not God. I can't heal this guy. And um, Elisha gets word and says, hey, send him to me. And so we pick up in chapter five, verse eight. It says, but when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet in Israel. I love this. Um, just a little side note to kind of build a foundation here. They had their gods in Syria, but he's saying, look, they're going to know that there's a true prophet, and ultimately the one true God here in Israel because of what's going to happen here in the next little bit. Uh, I love it. God is always God and there are other competing gods, and there are other things and beings that try to compete with our God, and we try to even put ourselves up as God, but God is the one true God, and those that follow him are the ones that truly are going to be blessed for all eternity. So it goes on in verse 9. It says, So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. 
But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. One thing that's just funny to me, Elisha just seems to be this really laid back dude because, you know, the story we read last week, you know, it's kind of, he's kind of like, oh, no big deal. Hey, man, open your eyes. Open your eyes. There's more with us than there are, you know, that are with them. We're good. And here in this story, this guy comes to him. He sends for him. He comes. He's outside of his gate. And he says, hey, go tell him to do this. <laughs> it's like, you know, he's so laid back, so confident in God's power. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's, it's awesome. I love it. I wish I had a little bit of that confidence. But he was so close to God. I guess he was like, hey, God's got me. God's got this. All, all I got to do is say the word and God's going to do it. And it's such an amazing thing. So he tells him to go and wash himself seven times in the Jordan River. And he says, then your skin will be restored and you'll be healed of your leprosy. And then here's what, where it gets really interesting. Verse 11. But Naaman became angry. And it says here, I'm reading the New Living Translation today. It says, and he stalked away. I love that, that description. You know, he's, he stomped away. You know, he's like... <laughs> You know, um, it's it's funny to me. You know, just uh, I can just imagine it so well because I know there's been a few times I've I've stalked away angry. You know, I'm just so mad. He said, "I thought I would certainly he would certainly come out to meet me." He said, "I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me." I, I, it's funny, man, because. Isn't this just like uh, what we see in a lot of things today? A lot of people who claim to be faith healers, there's a lot of people that make lots and lots of money and ask for jets that claim to heal people and all that sort of stuff. And it's always this big show. You know, Benny Hinn is always memed and, and, and laughed at because he swings his coat and people make the, the lightsaber and Jedi um, memes about him. And it's always a big show. And that's what Naaman was expecting. He was expecting this big show. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> he was expecting this big show. He's like, I thought he was going to come out and just pronounce this big judgment and call on the name of the Lord. Maybe he had heard about what happened with Elijah on the uh, top of Mount Carmel, fire coming down from heaven. Don't know. But he says on verse 12, aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Farpar, better than any of the rivers in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. Verse 13. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he sim says simply, Go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River, and he dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. It says verse 15, Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept a gift from your servant. Man, that's just powerful stuff all throughout there. So many things. And there's a few powerful lessons I want us to learn from this meeting of Naaman and Elisha. The first one is this. A big show isn't the only expression of God's power. 
a big show is not the only expression of God's power. And you see a little hint of that in verse 11, where it says that he became angry and stalked away. He said, I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, and I want him to wave his hand over me and call the name of the Lord and, and heal me in some big, miraculous, majestic show thing. And we get caught up a lot of times looking for that and waiting for that. And we see these stories in, in Scripture of these big moments when God parted the Red Sea and God did all these things and, you know, Moses struck the rock and, you know, the water came out. And we think, why? Why isn't that happening in my life? But you've got to think, this is over thousands of years and these are the highlight moments. God worked in small ways as well every day and he still does not just in the big, showy, powerful ways. We know that God works in big ways. He does, and he still works in big, miraculous, unbelievable, unexplainable ways. But he also works in small ways. And many times that's what we experience. And if we're so angry about not look, seeing the show that we're looking for and hoping for, we miss the way God is working. We can miss it. We can miss it. You know, sometimes God does work in the fire from heaven, like Elijah on Mount Carmel. But then just a little bit later, God reaches out and probably does more for Elijah in a still, small whisper. Still, small voice, a gentle whisper. When Elijah's down to his last wits, you know, he's ready to give it all up. He's ready to die. He begs God to die. And when life is tough, I need you and I need to open up my eyes and open up my ears and not look for God in fire coming down from heaven or the fire coming down from heaven and splitting the rocks and the earthquakes and the mighty winds and all that sort of stuff. And sometimes I just need to listen. You just need to listen for God's still, small voice. Sometimes you just need to get quiet. Sometimes my whining and my crying and my moaning is way too loud for me to hear God. Sometimes we just need to be quiet and be still. God works in small ways. He works in big ways. So don't miss the way God is working just because it doesn't fit your expectations. Just because it doesn't fit your expectations. If God is not showing up in the big, powerful, groundbreaking, earth-shattering, shaking ways in your life right now, in your church family, pause and say, God, show me where you are working. Help me to listen for where you are speaking. Just because it doesn't fit your expectations, God's still working. Maybe you just need to be still. Here's another idea. Pride will keep us from being clean every single time. Pride will keep us from being clean every single time. Verse 12 says that. He, he says his response when he is told to go wash in the Jordan River seven times, he says, aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So he went away in a rage. How many times have you and I missed God's blessing and healing because of our selfish pride? We think we know better that, you know, why is God allowing this to happen to us? Why is it happening this way? Why is it happening at this time, at this pace, at this schedule? You know, why, 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 why? Why is it happening right now? I know what's best. If this seems like I'm really real with it, it's because, man, this has been me lately. I've struggled with this in a lot of ways and a lot of things in my life, and I know a lot of you have been too. 
our pride can keep us from being healed when we won't just listen to what God says and do what God says. How many times have we sat there with our Bibles laying right there, closed or open, right in our, in our fingertips, and said, God, why won't you just give me an answer? Why won't you give me an answer? And we don't pick up our Bibles. How many times have we gone through worse trials, worse struggles, because we won't just listen and obey and humbly see what God has to say to us? Our pride will keep us from being clean every time. When we won't repent of our sin, we continue to go down a path that just leads us to death. We won't, we won't repent so because of our pride and we won't be healed, we won't be clean. Don't let your pride keep you from being healed, from being whole, from being clean. Do what God says, even if it brings what you think is shame, because God removes shame. He lifts burdens. Just give up your sin. Give up what you're holding on to. Give up your path, your way of doing things. Trust that God is able. Here's another truth that we learn. God uses simple obedience to change everything. God uses simple obedience to change everything. Look at verse 13 and 14. It says, But his officers tried to reason with Naaman and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, Go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times as the man of God instructed him, and his skin became as healthy and the skin of a young child, and he was healed. You know, we need to understand that truth that God has always used simple obedience to change everything. He, he calls his people to take simple steps of obedience all throughout Scripture, and that's how he accomplishes his plan in, in many ways. That's what we need to understand. In this account, you've got the simple command to go and wash in the Jordan River seven times. It doesn't make any sense. Naaman is quick to say that. It doesn't make any sense. Why? This river is dirty compared to my rivers back home. It doesn't make any sense. But God is what said that through Elisha. Go dip in the Jordan seven times and you'll be clean. It's a simple thing. But the problem with us is, going back to that other point, is that God works in small ways as well as the big ways, is that we want the big ways because we say that's God's blessing. We look at big churches and we say that's completely blessed by God. And sometimes it is and sometimes it ain't. We look at, say, God, I need a show. I need to know for sure that you are in this. God has told us that he's with us, that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And yes, you need to be discerning and you need to test the spirits, but God will work and, and, and reach out to you in small ways and he'll call you to do small acts of obedience. Sometimes it's just simply getting up and getting out of bed. When you're depressed and you're discouraged and you're down, you say, Lord, send me a big sign. You know, send somebody to, to rent a plane and, and put a banner across the sky for me to say they love me when maybe he's just saying, get out of bed. Send a text message to somebody. Let them know that you're hurting, that you're lonely. Maybe that's a small act of obedience that God's calling you to. I'd be remiss here if I didn't point out the elephant in the room. I, I believe this account here is a foreshadowing of, of baptism that we have under the new covenant, you know? A, a simple thing that we do where God gives us forgiveness and freedom and makes us clean and whole. The, the pictures are just too connected. You know, this physical washing 
points to the spiritual washing that happens when we're baptized into Christ now. And the funny thing is, or the interesting thing is, it's, it's really sad, is that a lot of people argue and push and scream and say, you know, baptism, why are you pushing baptism? <laughs> but it simply says, do it and you'll be clean. Why do we argue? Why are we like Naaman? Why do we say, why do I have to do that? It doesn't make any sense. Why would getting buried underwater, dunked underwater, do anything about my sin problem? Why would it do anything? Why would it have anything connected with the forgiveness of God? Honestly, I don't know except God says so. Just like Elisha told Naaman to go and do it and it would work because God said so, you and I are told to go and be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, it says in Acts 2.38, because God says so. And if God says so, I'm going to do it. Simple obedience always changes everything when we trust God. God is God, and we are not. Let's stop trying to let our pride get in the way, and let's be His. But it's not just about that. It's not just about that. You and I need to act in simple obedience every single day, even when it doesn't make sense. You know, in the story earlier in the Old Covenant, the priests, when they were getting ready to cross the Jordan, near the same river, into the promised land, God said, go and have them step in as they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant, have them step into the, the water. And the moment that they step into the water, the water will be rolled back, a miraculous thing, just like when they entered in the Red Sea in a lot of ways. They had to step in, simple obedience, take one step, and it's all going to happen. It didn't happen before. It didn't happen in advance. It didn't happen as they got to the riverbank. It happened at the moment that they simply obeyed and did what God said, because God says, if you obey me, you'll be blessed. And God's going to use simple obedience to change your life too. He wants to use simple obedience to change your life too. And so here's the last little thing. Stick with me, okay? Our obedience shines light on God. Our obedience shines light on God. Look at verse 15. It says, Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. Have you ever gotten so frustrated with this world and the, the, the status of this world? It seems like everybody hates everything good, and everybody hates everything that's related to God, and people just want to do evil, and it seems like it's before the flood, you know, like the account there where everybody did evil and what was good in their own eyes. Maybe it's because we as the church aren't just simply obeying God in every aspect that we can. Because it says when Naaman saw that his simple obedience healed him, he said, there's only one God and it's the God of Israel. And so maybe if you and I as the church would simply obey God in every way that we can, every command that he calls us to do, every nudge he gives us through the Holy Spirit, simply obey God, take one step at a time and trust him and stop trying to put our own wisdom on it and listen to other people Maybe, just maybe, people would believe in God because they'd see his power through us and on us and in us. It's easy to say, well, who knows? But we just need to start obeying. And what will happen if people start to see God working in our lives because we simply obey? When we simply obey God, it shows God's power and his goodness. And if we want to make God famous, let's start by simple obedience in these small things in everything. So don't wait for some big show. Don't wait for some big call of God. Start right now as you put one step and one foot in front of the other. God, I'm going to obey you in everything that you put in my path. 
when you say go across the yard and talk to my neighbor, when you say smile and speak kindly to the cashier at Food Line, I'm going to do it. When you give me that nudge to give somebody $5 who might be in need, do it. When you say, God, hold your tongue, when God says, hold your tongue, instead of responding in anger and rage and in malice, I'm going to do it. All these small things, God will start to be glorified more and more in your life, and people will start to say, there is no God except the God of the church, of, of us. And that's what we want, people to believe in Jesus. So what simple obedience is God calling you to today? What simple obedience is God calling you to today? You know, I don't know what it is right now, but there's something everybody's being called to. Like I mentioned earlier, it might just be getting out of bed. Maybe you've been down, maybe you've been discouraged, you've been believing the lies that nobody cares about you and that nobody wants to hear from you because we've been all so isolated for so long, and especially these past three or four weeks. Maybe it's just I need to send a text to say, hey, how are you doing? And as you reach out to people, they'll reach back out to you. And maybe you just need to simply say, I'm struggling. Maybe that's your act of obedience that's going to help you on the road to healing and recovery so you can be clean like a newborn baby, like it says. Maybe your act of obedience is, you know, talking to that friend you've been saying you're going to talk to forever. Maybe that your act of obedience is breaking off a relationship or a friendship that is just pulling you away from Jesus. Maybe it's breaking those habits and those sins that you have been surrounded in and drowning in for so long. Maybe that's your simple act of obedience saying, no more, I'm done, I'm finished with that old way of life. And it might start with a small step. It might start with a small step. But maybe, just maybe, God is calling you today to a simple act of obedience. Maybe it's, I'm just going to read one verse of Scripture today. You've been saying for six months you're going to start reading your Bible, but you haven't. Maybe today's the day that you just read one verse. Maybe read it ten times. That's okay. Maybe today you're going to start really praying to God instead of just saying, now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> or God is great, God is good, let us thank for our food. You're just going to start talking honestly to God. Maybe that's your simple act of obedience today. But whatever it is, just do it. And God's going to get the glory for it. Maybe your act of obedience today is to be baptized into Christ. <laughs> Maybe you just need to stop arguing and stop saying, I need more proof. It's all right there. God says to do it. You need to do it. If you want forgiveness, if you want to be clean like a newborn baby, maybe today is the day. Reach out to us. Man, we'll, we'll break ice on something and we'll get you baptized. No, we'll get it done where it's warm. But reach out to us. But what is your simple act of obedience God's calling you to today? Let me pray for us. Father, humble us. Help us to see what you're calling us to. Help us to see that your power works in large and big and powerful ways, but he also works in wonderful and small, quiet ways. I pray, Father, that you would help us to know that you are king and you are God of our lives and that there is no God but you. And I pray, Father, that Jesus, your Son, and your Holy Spirit would awaken us to know what we need to do to simply obey. Help us to know what our next step is, and then our next step, and then our next step, and then our next step. But not all at once, Lord. We know it happens one step at a time. Help us to obey you in the small ways and the big ways so that people will see that you are God and that they can know you too.
They can be free. They too can be clean and whole. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.